What's up, Obies and others? Welcome to All Roads from Oberlin, an independent podcast about the careers and lives of Oberlin grads. This episode is part of our PATH series, where we talk one-on-one with alumni about their own personal journeys. Today we're talking to Olivia Winter. While there's a lot to be said about her career and educational trajectories, what stood out to me in this interview was the holistic and spiritual nature of the life change that she's undergoing currently. This interview was conducted by my co-producer, Maddie Hankey, who's undergoing a big life change of her own as a recent grad. We talk a lot about the decision to go to grad school on this podcast, but Olivia brings a really unique perspective with her story of why she left, along with a vision of retirement that'll make your heart melt. So if you like having thoughts and you like having feelings, stay tuned. So my name is Olivia Winter. I was a psychology and neuroscience double major at Oberlin. I graduated at the end of 2008, the height of the (laughs) depression. I spent time in neuroscience in graduate school and have been in the tech world for the last six years on the business side. I'm in sales and I am planning to make another career change to become a therapist. I grew up poor. I didn't grow up with money. Sure, I, I, in theory, could go home, but there's no job opportunities in small town Iowa. So I was really propelled to be successful as quickly as I could right out of college. And your topic around graduating in a recession, you know, this sounds ridiculous, but I don't think it really even fully occurred to me what a recession was when I graduated. Totally. I was just like completely gung-ho in being successful at doing neuroscience research. Where did you go right after college? Yeah, so I went to the University of Iowa. Gotcha. So the lab that I was in with the psychiatrist there was studying the effect of these specific ion channels on kind of an anxiety response uh, in a mouse model. And... It was a great way to have an income immediately after school. And, and, and I, I think that that fear probably also propelled me into research because it just seemed so straightforward. You know, you, you, you finish your undergrad, you, maybe you do some more research work, and then you go to grad school. And grad school is basically paid in the sciences. The National Science Foundation covers many graduate degrees in many programs across the country. So it just felt like this kind of safe path. Yeah. I I think that was my initial motive. And obviously, as we're going to talk about, my motives really changed over time as I learned and grew. Um, And my motives changed because of what I, I uncovered about myself and because of being in the world instead of just seeing what I thought the world was from the outside, which is a lot of what you do in college. You, you're examining this place that you haven't actually been to. I think going to graduate school delays it. I think people go to graduate school for great reasons. I think there's a lot of folks where graduate school is the right choice. And for me, it probably was the right, it, was, it definitely was the right choice at that time based on what I knew. But in some ways it can coddle you. Yeah. <laughs> it can keep you in the womb a little bit. It bubbles you. Yeah, definitely. If we could go back really fast and delve into sure. Stanford and 
What was your thought process in deciding to go to grad school? Um, yeah, what was it like when you were there? And then in deciding to leave grad school, what did it feel like to make that decision and to, yeah, go yeah, forward with yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Deciding to go, I was hesitant to apply right away, but I felt like I had deficits in my lab skills and I wanted to get more experience first. And so I did ch choose um, a year between undergrad and grad school. And I do recommend that because being in a single lab full time is more similar to grad school because PhD programs, you're, you're, you're in it for the long haul. You're going to be working at one project for many years. The first couple of years in grad school and science are really fun. I mean, you're taking classes, you're getting to know your classmates, you know, bonding, and it's kind of like college all over again in some ways. And I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and then starting in like the third year, you kind of get serious. And your thesis lab is kind of your permanent home for the rest of the program. And that's when I kind of realized I'm seeing other people being so excited about their work and so passionate about it. And I'm not feeling that way. And I think it's natural at that point to feel like there's something wrong with you. And a lot of students actually have this feeling. And it, it can feel really stigmatizing because grad school is kind of a cult. I mean, <laughs> there has to be this kind of rah-rah mentality to keep people going. And I think that is important, again, to get through the stresses and hurdles that are naturally there. But what I recognized about myself was that it wasn't just that I was stressed or feeling unconfident. It was just that I was not that interested. Yeah. And it was a really hard choice to make because you lose your community of friends. You lose the confidence, accolades, pats on the back that you've gotten from the faculty. You know, it's it's it can be an identity loss. It can be an identity shift. And, um, you know, and, and also the fact that a postdoctorate can take just as long as your grad degree. I mean, it can take seven years. Jeez. So people are like in their kind of infancy of their career, well into their 40s and sometimes later. So there are folks that, you know, get just spend so much time and energy and really don't get that far. I think it's really an economics issue. It's just that there are so many more people interested in doing research than there are positions available. And that was the other component where I was like, someone else should have these jobs. Yeah. And right now you're kind of looking at a career change, right? Yeah. So I have been in the world of tech for the last six and a half years and a great kind of stable place, as I mentioned, through health issues and getting married and buying a house and just kind of living, <laughs> which, you know, not something you you think about, but actually is important. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a big change last year because I had such severe endometriosis that I was in agony and I decided to put an end to it, which was one of the best decisions of my life. For whatever reason, doing that uh, actually led to kind of a spiritual change for me. I had a shift in my mentality away from kind of making money, achieving, accomplishing kind of mental goal setting and much more towards a heart focus. And it was not a choice. It was not something I was seeking. 
it just happened to me. Wow. I cannot explain it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My scientist in me um, has failed. (laughs) 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 But it actually is a thing that happens to folks through when they're going through kind of extreme things and something about the relief and the change just shifted things for me. And I've developed a really strong um, Buddhist practice. I meditate daily. I am part of various community groups. I do day-long meditations. I go on week-long retreats. So I just feel my heart very filled up. Like my heart's overflowing. And I decided I want to go back to grad school for becoming a clinical counseling psychologist. I've benefited so much over the last 10 years from my own work in therapy. So I want to be doing work that will allow a really deep and warm connection with other people through their struggles. You know, an example for them and also just a, someone who, to hold hold their suffering. Yeah. You know, and and you imagine I'm around a lot of tech people and intellectuals and they're kind of like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. You want to become a therapist? (laughs) And I'm like, I get it. I know what you're saying. I get it. I know that feeling. But yes, this is the right thing for me. So it's a big shift. You know, I'm going to make less money. I'm not going to be out of the career ladder and giving more of that energy and attention toward personal growth and personal spiritual development, which is easy to poo-poo, but I kind of feel like I got to a certain point in my own life and my own success where there really wasn't much else where to go. I think this idea that there's work-life balance and, you know, it's somehow cut and split down the middle and it's not really true. I think it's it's a very gradual seeping <laughs> or merging of your your higher self or your more connected self becoming more present throughout your work life. I feel like there's more awareness now than ever about the value of mindfulness is mm-hmm. kind of the buzzword that gets used. And there are apps and there are things that you can do. I honestly didn't get much out of those yeah until I had my own understanding because I think these things can just sound like words if you're not there and you're Mm -hmm. not really feeling it it's not going to make much sense it's easy to sit on a cushion and find deep peace in a silent room (laughs) yeah maybe easy is not the right word but it's a lot easier than in your actual work. And so it's a gradual process. You know, when I start in the morning, I definitely meditate in the morning and then in the evening have walks and decompression and um, reconnection. So I I quit social media several years ago. Um, I stopped, you know, drinking very much at all a, a couple of years, let's say a year and a half ago. You know, there's things that you can do that are kind of quote unquote self-care that will create more space mm-hmm. for those relaxation and happy feelings to happen. That's the first step really is kind of removing things that have been hindering or been in the way. Mm-hmm. I've been talking to some other people who are also graduating just now um, and about some of their concerns moving forward. Um, and kind of a big one has been about community like finding your community after having such like a easy to access community Mm. in college 
And also mm-hmm. then like making whatever new home you're in feel like a home. Um, mm. And I wonder if you have any advice or thoughts about creating community or finding community or mm. defining home and finding home um, mm. that you could share. Yeah, that's that's been hard for me. Creating community has been hard. And it's I don't think it's ever as easy as it was in college. Mm. Maybe some people get lucky and they find... Um, you know, other similar kind of groups of folks that they can just hook into. But a lot of times it's about making individual connections with many different people in different walks of life, rather than having the same kind of like-minded group that you might Mm -hmm. have in undergrad. And I, you know, you get a little bit of that in grad school, but so many people I talk to who are 30s, 40s and up, um, talk about, you know, how it's sort of a smattering of, of friends that they've patchwork together you know I have dear dear friends from Oberlin I mean my closest friends are all from Oberlin and that is something I think probably everyone will say yeah (laughs) and then and then it's been kind of pieces here and there but it's not the same I don't spend as much time with friends as I did in my 20s some of my friends are spread out now people who all used to live in the same place have moved And I have many more, um, even before COVID, had many more kind of distance relationships. So it's interesting because I think I felt really lonely for a few years when we first moved here. And it was just me and my husband and away from my graduate school community and, you know, getting my feet wet at work and, yeah, a couple of friends here and there. And um, that changed with my spirituality, with my spiritual practice. Because I moved away from needing to be directly with people all the time to having a more general sense of common humanity. It's funny, like, I'm like, well, I don't really spend a ton of time with other people. I talk to people, yeah, I do, and I have the people I work with, but I feel community more in my heart. And that is really, that has been really wonderful so it's a little different now for me yeah well that's a very awesome answer thank you I remember I think you had this kind of dream that you were working towards of um, your farmstead (laughs) sure when I was at Oberlin coming from less advantaged background I worked with I think it was called learning services And uh, it was Melissa Ballard I worked with. She was awesome. She had me cultivate some kind of dream or vision for myself. And I had envisioned this homestead, this farmstead with a lot of growing my own vegetables, making my own things, um, maybe a shared cow across the whole community. I'm vegan now, so the cow is out of the picture, but (laughs) the cow was there. (laughs) And then when I met my future husband, he had the same dream. Whoa. And potentially having it into some sort of community where there may be separate houses, but some shared land, we don't know. So we have this vision. And right now we have just a quarter acre but we are, you know, fully invested in our veggie beds and our fruit trees <laughs> and Hebrews beer. And I make all kinds of fermented things and we cook and eat vegan. And the goal is to retire relatively young is the hope, like around 50, age 50. 
but you know that's just an idea that's just a dream and life can take you so many different ways that uh you know we're open i'm open to whatever happens but that's kind of the little flag in the ground Thanks for coming on the show, Olivia. And if you're listening, you know, we're really pulling for you with this retirement plan. That sounds fantastic. For everybody else, this has been All Roads from Oberlin, an independent project produced by Patty Stubel, Maddie Henke, and me, Julian Wirth. Our sick cover art is from Oberlin's own Steven Menser, and our iconic theme music appears courtesy of Piper Hill and Claudia Hinsdale. Everybody out there who's hearing me say this, thanks for hearing me say this. Thanks for listening, and have a good one.